This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now is Brad Powers of the Bet the Board podcast and on X at Brad Powers 7. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Let's start by talking about Michigan. Jim Harbaugh, in all likelihood, uh, will not be on the sideline when it comes to these last few games for Michigan. So how do we handicap that? How much should the line be moving? And do you feel like the market is perhaps overreacting or underreacting to such news? Yeah, I don't think the market should move at all, to be honest with you. Uh, it, it, as long as he can be with the team throughout the course of the week, he can still put all those hours as far as game planning and practices and whatnot. Uh, I just don't think three hours on a Saturday afternoon should mean that much. If it does, maybe a half point especially in the Ohio State game if it's really close and he has to make you know, one of those two key decisions throughout the course of the game. And then it would impact it, but for the most part, we didn't see the line move hardly at all when the news broke last week. Obviously, Michigan had one of their best performances of the season considering that was their toughest opponent. Uh, they're on the road. They didn't even attempt to pass in the second half, and they still were able to exert their will on Penn State. So I, I'm, in, I'm in the boat that it shouldn't impact it enough uh, as far as moving point spreads. To the point where, you know, there was a couple books that had that Michigan-Ohio State line posted already. Five and a half is what I saw. I like Michigan at that number. Mm. Uh, Speaking of uh, markets not moving, well, the rankings didn't move last week. What do you expect our lead lead talking points will be after uh, the new list comes out? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, when it comes to, you know, my neck of the woods as far as the gambling, it doesn't impact us whatsoever what the, the rankings are. So, uh, obviously, if I'm a, I'll talk my ratings. I, I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though Oregon's lost the game, uh, I think I have Oregon three. I have Michigan and Georgia at one and two, and then Oregon's three. Uh, they're just, you look at them, just simple metrics, yards per play margin, yards per game margin, points per game margin. They're just right up there with Georgia and in some instances with Michigan as well and have played a tougher schedule than those two teams. So, And then you look no further, you can bet the Pac-12 championship game right now. It's not going to be officially set matchup yet, but they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington right now. Uh, That's the team that beat them. So Oregon right now would be, in my play, if I was doing a playoff and we wanted to get the absolute best teams in there, they would be in there. And Alabama is obviously surging. They're the Crimson Tide for the first time since the start of the season, since the loss to Texas, would be in my top four. They would be the fourth team. You mentioned Oregon, and I want to follow up on that. Do you agree with the books now making Bo Nix the favorite to win the Heisman? Yeah, yeah I, I think he deserves that. Considering what the Heisman pretty much is, best player on one of the best teams, uh, he deserves to be the, the favorite, especially I expect him to have big performances down the stretch, including this week against the bad Arizona State team. He'll be a prohibitive favorite against Oregon State, and I do like him to get revenge 
against, uh, you know, uh, an average Washington defense at best. So he deserves to be the favorite. But honestly, guys, if we are legit giving it to the best player in college football, it's Jane Daniels for LSU. I mean, I'm sorry that he can't play two ways and play defense, but I mean, what he did against Florida, (laughs) something we've never seen in the history of college football before. And so I I know he's, he's not a team that's lost three games, but he can only play one side of the ball and he's played it better than anybody at the most important position. Um, he just said, you know, look, his passing stats are just as good as Bo Nix and Michael Penix, and then he's going to run for over 1,000 yards in the SEC as a quarterback. So uh, I, I just – he would – if I was voting, I would vote him right now as the Heisman winner. Well, let's explore that a little bit more because there are examples of quarterbacks for teams that have lost a few games and still won the Heisman. I mean, we're talking about Lamar Jackson in Louisville. We're talking about Robert Griffin III at Baylor. So the precedent is very much there. But I guess my question is, from a betting perspective, was that a different era of college football? Are we just so enamored with the college football playoff that we just have to take a quarterback who's vying for one of those spots? Or can we be open-minded enough in this era? I just, I mean, an era ago, I mean, when the years go by, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, RG3, that's a different, long gone by era of RG3 from 10 years ago. Uh, Lamar Jackson from just seven years ago. But I hear you. I understand that. Uh, And I'm going to agree with it because the problem, the biggest problem Daniel is going to have is they, I mean, not going to move the needle this week. They're playing Georgia State. Then they're playing a bad Texas A&M team that just fired their coach. So there's, there's nothing really high profile. Bo Nix is going to be uh, on the stage starting next week against Oregon State, a rival. I think Oregon State beats Washington this week. So I think that game will be pretty big next week. And they'll play in the Pac-12 championship game, another high profile. So I, I, we live in a society uh, that, that is, you know, the 24-hour news cycle, instant gratification. If Bo Nix has two big games against Oregon State in the Pac-12 title game, he's going to be your Heisman winner. Uh, let's talk about Florida State. Uh, you did not mention them in your top four. The betting market agrees with you. They're not in the top four right now. Uh, and they had a close one over the weekend and, and Jordan Travis free falling in the Heisman market. Uh, where are you on that team moving forward? Just on, on a week to week betting angle. Yeah, I think they're a little overrated. Uh, is my thoughts. I don't know how to take advantage of them because they play North Alabama and FCS team this week. And then, I mean, they do play at Florida in the finale. They're going to be a double digit mm-hmm. favorite. I'm guessing because that game, you know, a big rivalry game similar to Miami getting a lot of points. I'll be on Florida there. But I, I'm not talking about them, but I will say this on their behalf. They got the easiest path. I mean, they're going to be a prohibitive favorite this week uh, against Florida. And then right now you can bet the Louisville game, the ACC championship, uh, where they're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. So the pathway is still clear for Florida State. Win out. You're going to be favored to do so. You'll be in the, pl- you'll be in the playoff as an unbeaten conference champ. Now, once you get to the playoff, uh, and that is indeed the case, I'll be looking to play Florida State in that semifinal. Yeah, I like it. I want to get uh, some of your favorite picks for this week that's still available. I know that's what the people tune in for when Brad joins us on the show. So uh, let's open it up to you. What are some of your favorite spreads or totals? Yeah, I like Texas Tech this week. We'll lay the three here. Uh, and, look, I don't mind playing against Central Florida after they won by 40-plus uh, as an underdog last week. Catching them, that's kind of a sell-high spot. And I think Texas Tech's power rating uh, is tough to gauge because they had a, a stretch where they had five games where they're playing with a backup quarterback that's banged up or even a third-string quarterback. 
Now at the, off the bye, they got the backup healthy. He's a legitimate player, Baron Morton's his name. They've won and covered each of their last two games, including the upset against Kansas on the road last week. Texas Tech minus three. Another team that I think surging, Virginia Tech, laying a short number at home. I know this sounds a little square, but we're laying some short favor, home favorites. But Virginia Tech minus two and a half for me. And again, State, NC State's overrated their opponent. Uh, two, get, two upset wins for them, uh, where they got significantly outgained against Miami and Clemson. They're a different team away from home than they are uh, in the friendly confines there of Carter Finley Stadium. So I like Virginia Tech to clinch ball eligibility a little late at two and a half. Here's a short home favorite for you. Oregon State, two-point favorites against Washington. The undefeated Huskies uh, somehow just keep finding ways to win. Uh, but this looks like an especially tough test against Oregon State. How do you see this game playing out, also with a total of 63 and a half? Yeah, I didn't bet it, but I agree with the move here. I mean, Washington, very early in the market, was a short favorite, like one, uh, one and a half points. The flip to Oregon State as a favorite makes sense to me. Uh, Oregon State, a team much different at home compared to on the road. They're two losses this year away from home. At home, I mean, you even said, I know against a bad Stanford team, but a Stanford team that had Washington on the ropes just a few weeks ago, Oregon State annihilates them. I just think Washington's a little overrated. They've been hanging on by uh, a thread here in several games, three, four games here in recent weeks. Uh, their bubble burst, uh, Oregon State wins the game. I haven't bet it, though, but if, if you gave me a $20 bill and said, hey, you got to bet this game, I'd lay the two. Uh, let's stay out west. How about uh, the Utes at Arizona? Basically picking the winner here, total 45. You know what? I like Utah. I like the matchup here. Their defensive line uh, get some pressure on Arizona a little bit. Pretty disappointed in Arizona's performance against Colorado last week. I thought they would control matters and didn't. Uh, I just Arizona's been great against the spread uh, all year long uh, until last week. But I, I just think, to me, Utah's the more proven commodity. Give me the Utes. What about Minnesota at Ohio State? This one, a big number, 27 and a half. I'm glad you brought this one up because I thought a pretty peculiar move happened yesterday in the marketplace with both the Minnesota-Ohio State and the Michigan-Maryland games where we saw the market fade Michigan and Ohio State. Big favorites week prior to the big, the big game. Could be mm -hmm. a look ahead. Uh, you also got a question motivation for margin in the second half of these games is probably going to be a simple formula, get up uh, early uh, and then get the heck out of there and get healthy for next week's game. So I agree with the move on Maryland, and I really agree with the move on Minnesota here when it was 28 and a half, 28, and I would still lean that way on Minnesota plus 27 and a half. Any kind of conference futures that stand out to you? Yeah, we're only a couple of weeks uh, left until we have to figure out these things, but uh, any conferences stand out as some dark horses that could still win their leagues? Uh, if there'd be one, I might take a flyer on and be Oregon state. Cause I think, you know, some people are surprised they're favored this week against Washington. Uh, and then there'll be an underdog against Oregon, but they kind of control their destiny here in their last two weeks. They win both of those games. Uh, they'll likely be in the Pac-12 championship game. So if you're looking for a super long shot, that would be it. <laughs> you're not going to get me to say, Hey, Iowa's got a chance, uh, you know, <laughs> in the big 10 championship game. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and some of these, I'm, the SEC game set, you can bet that game now. Georgia's a four-point favorite. I think that's fair. Uh, Conference USA is already set. Uh, the MAC, Toledo's going to win it. So I, I think we're, that, that market's been, uh, as far as the value, has been dried up. 
Brad, let's talk about the the Big Ten for a little bit here because you've gone on record. You're you're big on Michigan against Ohio State in their last game of the year. But what we witnessed on Saturday, it was Michigan's first test. Uh, What were some of your takeaways in that one? And uh, do you still stand by the Wolverines in that game against Ohio State? Yeah, I I do. Uh, I I just – I liked what I saw. I mean, there's a team that's facing some adversity as far as off the field. Uh, the coach isn't going to be with them. Uh, they learn of that when they get off the plane. Uh, they hadn't really played anybody all year. This is going to be their tough, toughest test. And, you know, they were the right side from the get-go. Uh, they handled business. I like the – I mean, there wasn't anything fluky about it. I mean, when, when you don't intend to pass in the second half and you're just able to run the football right at somebody, I mean, that's that's what national championship-type uh, caliber teams look like at the uh, on a line of scrimmage. So, uh, yeah, nothing changed. In fact, uh, my position on Michigan, my confidence level went way up last week because I needed to see them play a legitimate opponent. Brad, I'm curious how you rate Alabama and how impressed you've been on this run that they've gone on since that loss to Texas and just the coaching job that Nick Saban has done this year as well. Yeah, that's a good question. I, uh, yeah, this is one of his better coaching jobs because, I mean, if you'd asked me after Texas and then the week after against South Florida, which, which was a legitimate nip-and-tuck game in the second half as a 35-point favorite, I would have said, hey, this Alabama team is going to lose three games, maybe four. And their ability to get better, especially at the quarterback position, Jalen Milrow, uh, is really, truly ascendant. But also, I think, it's from a coaching aspect, when you look at their second-half adjustments in the games against Ole Miss, Tennessee, LSU, particularly on the defense side of the ball. I mean, it's as good as it gets. So uh, they're in the mix. Uh, I would not have said that a month ago. Um, and uh, I know they're going to be an underdog against Georgia in the SEC championship game, but that, that game is much more winnable than what it was a month ago, where, where it's only a four-point spread. Although I will say this. Let's not overlook their game next week. They're on the road at Auburn. Auburn's also ascending. And some really good Alabama teams have lost on the road in Jordan Hare. So – uh, that one, I know I'm coaches speak here, but let's not overlook their arch rival. <laughs> Would you uh, sprinkle a little bit on Alabama money line in the SEC championship game against Georgia? I would not. I think Georgia is better. Uh, no, I, I would not be there yet. I, I Man, Georgia, when Georgia is on, and obviously motivation won't be an issue against Alabama, when they are on like they were last week against Ole Miss, like they were in the first half against Florida, like they were against Kentucky, they're the best team in the country. So, no, I I, I don't think Alabama is going to beat Georgia. Brad Powers of the Bet the Board podcast and on X at Brad Powers 7. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Hey, take care, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Brad. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's so interesting when we're talking about Michigan and the whole Jim Harbaugh factor, like how much the line should move versus how much the line is moving, things like that. It's it's complicated because how much is already installed to where everybody can just sort of plug and play ideas. But if, say, things are going sideways, then don't you need that sort of legendary voice, so to speak, to be able to get Mm -hmm. the team back on track? How much does that matter at the end of the day? Yeah, we we don't know. I mean, I'd love to have the answer to that question. I think everybody everybody would. But yeah, as long as he's there yeah. for the prep, it's fine. Um, did more <laughs> did more lose any chance at a head coaching gig in the next cycle? Which was the constant <laughs> swearing. Honestly, when when you hire someone I... for college, he's your face. He's speaking to the media right. constantly, and just. <laughs> 
I couldn't believe what I was watching. I don't know about you guys. Because Jim Harbaugh's dead, and that's why he's yeah, reacting apparently. the way he is. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. It's awful. This is Back You All Daily, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> Coming up next, NFL Comeback Player of the Year and NBA Play-In Tournament Futures. That's right here on the Back You All Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Well, if the players don't know what the in-season tournament's supposed to be like, then what hope is there for us betters? Well, let me see what I can do to kind of help explain things real quickly before we get into the bets we like. So there's six groups. So all 30 teams play X number of games. There are six groups. The winners of those six groups, and then two wild card teams make a single elimination tournament. And then from there, uh, you get all the way down to one. And then that one team wins the, uh, you know, weirdly shaped trophy. And so that's the in-season tournament for you. So uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so that being said, uh, Joe, where would you like to start as far as your futures go? Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I think that's the league. I think he's speaking for the majority of the league right now. NBA fans forget about this. Oh, yeah, it's Friday. So it's in-season tournament day. Oh, it's Tuesday. It's in-season tournament day. Does anybody care about this? The players are telling you they don't care, which which kind of proves to me that betters were right about this in the offseason because the entire idea, every, every NBA better that I spoke with was, okay, we're going to go for some dark horses where you can find some value and then get the best player on that mm. team, maybe take long shots on them to to win the MVP of this in-season tournament. So I know people were taking shots on SGA or Zion and, and stuff like that at ridiculously long numbers. And then you look early on at it. I know OKC was very hot. Like they were a hot team just outside of the in-season tournament as well as just a riser. Everybody's betting on them. They're 0-2 in the in-season tournament. Are, are they eliminated now? Are they done? What it's do not you good. I mean, I don't know if they're officially eliminated. But you can throw them trash, I think. Like, I don't know if they're officially yeah. mathematically done, but it's it's the six group play winners and then two teams with the best record. And you got, like, as wild cards, one from each conference, and you got to win a bunch of tiebreakers if that's going to be you. I think at minimum you got to go three and one to be one of those second-place teams to get to get through. So I think they're pretty much done. They're toast. I would agree yeah. with that process. Yeah. I Memphis is the only other team that's 0-2. They're the only other team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sit. Go ahead. I was just going to say, since it's the first year of it, I do kind of do we. So I was going to go the opposite way. I'll just be honest and take chalk mm-hmm. and say nuggets, but cause I just don't see Jokic and the nuggets not taking this seriously. I think they will, but I could see some teams being like, I don't know what this is. I don't want to play this stupid thing. And maybe they're just kind of cruising through it. And that's where you could find some value. But I think at the end of the day, you're going to run into the nuggets. That was sort of my approach to this. See, I, I was thinking that the nuggets coming off multiple long, long seasons, and they know what the real prize is at the end that they wouldn't mind if they were eliminated that do we really want to play an extra semifinal game on december 7th an extra title game on december 9th i i kind of think that teams like that are just not interested 
And the way Jokic was what? talking after they won the championship, all he wanted to do was go back to his. He just want to go home. Countries. They wouldn't let him go yeah. home. Can I go home now? That's all he wanted. Right. He just wanted to go home. Feel, feel bad yeah, for it's him hard all to... of a sudden. There are yeah. cash prizes, though, uh, as incentives for winning this thing. And so I wonder if that matters when it comes to looking at, say, younger, scrappier teams. Maybe they know they can't win the title. Like deep down, they know they can't win the championship, but maybe they can win this. And that can mean something in terms of uh, padding the old pocketbook. So that might be another approach to take a young, talented team that isn't quite ready for the biggest prize, but they have a chance to win something like this. And that was in a way a, a quasi you know, procedural step that I made here. One thing that I did do was I only factored in undefeated teams in terms of looking at my own futures. I did not look at teams with a loss at this point because oh. I think it's just too hard for them to kind of make a run and then suddenly get a wild card spot or win the group outright. So in that respect, what I did was I looked at Darko lineups by these undefeated teams in the tournament so far. And the top five Darko lineups belong to the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Pacers, the Sixers, and the Heat. So I think there's obviously one that's unlike the other, uh, and it's that Indiana group with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, Benedict Matherin. They can hang with a Sixers team that I think honestly has had an easier strength of schedule, and that's why that we've said all these good things about Philadelphia is, okay, the record's really good, and yeah, Joel Embiid, you know, I think won player of the week last week or something like that, but the Sixers really haven't been challenged that much so far. They will be soon enough, but I think that's why they're a little overrated right now. And so give me the Pacers at plus 250 to win East Group A. I think you can find some good value there. Okay, that's that's interesting. Because of that group that they're, they are in, right, um, the path makes a lot of sense. Maybe they're, they're not challenged. What are they for the to win this title? 33. I, I think, oh, that's good. So that's a, that's a bet I placed over the weekend was 35 oh, really? to 1 under. And okay. it's an interesting spot against the Sixers because they played them Sunday. Maxi drops a 50 burger, and that's a non in in game, in season tournament in game. They were down by 19 at one point. Right. They come all the way back. They were leading very early or at some point in the fourth by like one. Sixers pull away, win by 10. I actually love that for this game tonight, which. Again, I think they have to win. I think, they're look, they've got the number one offensive rating in the NBA. You talk about a young team that can light it up any night. And after this, you got the Hawks and the Pistons. The more I think about it, they could be one of those teams that gets through at 3-1 and one as the wild card team with point differential. And then most points is another tiebreaker potentially. But this is a bet on them beating the Sixers tonight and then beating the Hawks and the Pistons. At 35 to 1, I think I see, I think might be the best number at this point is 33. There's definitely still a 33 out there, but I think that's worth a bet. And then when you're looking at the MVP, if you want to correlate it, like Hal Burton's 40 to 1, he's the shortest number on the team. I'm just going to play the, the team at 33. Um, right. You could get 100 to 1 on Turner. I think there might be something like a 200 to 1 on Matherin if you think one of those guys pops in these tournament games. But yeah, the Sixers have been hot, they're playing well. They got bigger aspirations. And again, it, it's kind of in that back-to-back, -back, you know, I, I think it plays into the Pacers' side tonight as a five-point dog. 
It's not bad. I like that. I like that. And um, last I checked, Embiid was questionable for tonight. So how much do they really care about this? I mean, that mm-hmm. might be a team that is looking at the big picture. And he he ends up sitting as five and a half point dogs. Uh, th- I see a 38 out there. So if you're price shopping, um, there is a difference in these prices too. What about the Dallas Mavericks? Luka is playing out of his mind right now. I think they only have a couple losses on the season. This is a team heading into the tournament that I could see rolling and taking this seriously. Luka's a guy I keep waiting for to win NBA MVP. I feel like I bet on him every season and it doesn't happen. So that could be kind (laughs) of like Ed's handicap. You know, maybe this is a team that is looking to prove something. They've got a lot of momentum right now. You can find them at 20 to 1 to win the tournament. I can't bet uh, awards, but I'm curious what Luka is for MVP. Okay. So. And that is, let's see. So that would be a play against Denver. That'd be the idea of, yes. okay, they're not, they're not going to go for Same it group. because you look at the rest, Pelicans, Rockets, Clippers, it's there for them. They're one and one so far. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a situation. Aaron, and that loss was to the it, Nuggets, by the way. Okay. And if you believe in that team to make a run, it's obvious. You know the winner. That's not really the case with the Pacers. You can make a strong argument that it's it's Halliburton, but it's one of those situations where, okay, if they do win it, it is 100% going to be Luka getting that award. Mm-hmm. So that part's interesting. I see a 12-1 to 1 out there without uh, taking a deep dive, which is kind of crazy because the team number is better than that. <laughs> I, yeah, so Good. That's, yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. So I see a, let's see, on the, I thought I saw one in the 20s for the maps. Yeah, I see a 24 to one out there because of that 1L that they have. Mm-hmm. The other problem, too, is Mavericks have that blemish to the Nuggets. The Rockets yeah. are one to know in that same group. So yeah. if Houston makes a bit of a push, I mean, the big problem with Luka and the Mavericks, and it's been this way for a couple of years now, is the usage rate is insane. They run him into the ground, and they do it really early in the season. So on the one hand, I think that makes sense to back the Mavericks. If they didn't have that Nuggets blemish, I probably would too and completely tail this idea. But, you know, I just think that loss sort of disqualifies them because it's just so hard to get into the tournament after you have that loss. Mm -hmm. This Pacers look that you guys have, I think that's a strong one. That's the right idea. This is there aren't a lot of avenues to value when we're talking about winning any sort of a title in the NBA. But this in-season tournament, maybe we're all wrong, and it ends up being one of the top five favorites. I think it does present a little bit of value, and that is the one thing that uh, that betters could get excited about when it comes to this. Absolutely, absolutely, it is. A little bit of breaking news we need to get to in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills have fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. That's per Adam Schefter's sources. The new interim OC is Joe Brady, who you may recall was the genius that put together the 2019 LSU offense with Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and all of those studs. So they've made a change in Buffalo, hoping it will be just enough to get the Bills back into playoff contention. Joe, what's your reaction? Uh, We were talking during the break. I said that this is the move. 
when I realized that Joe Brady was the quarterback's coach, I'm like, oh, it's it's an easy switch. You finally demote Dorsey, and, and then you make the move with Joe Brady because you have a guy who has experience in the league, called plays for the Panthers 2020, 2021, and that's that's an easy switch, and you see if there's anything that changes. Oh, by the way, did you see what the Panthers did? Kind of tying this together. Yeah, mm-hmm. Thomas Brown, you're not the OC anymore. Eh, I'm going to take oh. that back. Oh, shame. <laughs> Frank, oh, Frank said, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Oh, two <laughs> offensive touchdowns in three games? Get out. If we're going, if I'm going down with the <laughs> ship, better enough? be me calling the plays. So uh, so that's happening there. I got a, got a, a couple of teams Des- in desperation mode here. It's too late, man. It's too late. So you're, you're putting him in this spot after five losses when there is no room for error. You're going against a Jets defense this week, and then the toughest stretch of the entire schedule for a full month is coming up. That's a bad spot to be in, Aaron. I think they had no choice. We were talking about it throughout the show. I mean, they had to do mm-hmm. something, right? You even said, who's getting fired today? Is someone getting fired today? It, it's just they really are in a desperate situation and maybe it's at the point where the players are just tuning them out and they had to do something and they're just desperate to get any kind of boost they can to try to get some wins down the stretch. So I just think it was something they had an inevitable situation. Yep. Anytime there is a firing with a coordinator and usually this happens in season performance and results certainly matter. But what also matters perhaps even more is a philosophical conflict. And I think what we saw here with the Bills was this idea of having a slightly more conservative offense, you know, more tight ends on the field, running the ball a little bit more, those kinds of things. And that's not what worked for Josh Allen the last few years. And so some of that may have been Sean McDermott from down on high saying, okay, we want to change things up. We want to make sure we're a little bit more reliable, maybe, uh, you know, scale back the interceptions, whatever it is. But with Joe Brady at the helm, I mean, look at that LSU team. They were slinging it left and right, going deep, all of that stuff. So this is going to be a risk-taking offense all of a sudden. So as far as a betting perspective, to me, there are probably a lot of overprops that I'm going to be salivating for right away. Never mind like what the Bills are going to do as far as the playoffs are concerned. It probably is too late. But I suspect that Diggs will have more yards. Josh Allen will have more passing yards. That, to me, is the play going forward. It was 2019 when Joe Brady was the next offensive mastermind that was going to take on the league, uh, making that jump. He's still only 34 years old. He's 34, and, well, he's getting another crack at it. So here we go. Let's see if he can score some points on that Jets defense. Have fun with that. There was a lot going on. And let's not get it twisted. It's also McDermott putting the attention somewhere else because Mm -hmm. it's your seven. 12 men. It is. You're seven. (laughs) Yes. He might be fired at the end of the year. It's sizzling on the skillet. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight. That's right here on the BetQL Network. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL.
Welcome back to Becky Bell Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Strowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to our lightning bets in just a bit, but first, we got to talk about the NFL Comeback Player of the Year market. And of course, Damar Hamlin is always going to be the headline, right? He's currently at minus 200 at BetMGM. He was active on Monday Night Football, uh, played on special teams, uh, a little bit of defense at the end, got a tackle and a quarterback pressure. Is that going to be enough, Joe, or are you looking elsewhere? Uh, Not saying that it's over, but um, that certainly helped his case. And this morning, I'm seeing some spots move Hamlin to a minus 200 favorite. It was a high-profile island game, big part of the game, and he was forced into action. And it was noted on the broadcast. Like, everybody everybody noticed that. And it was the first non-special team snap of the year. So, just the second game overall, right? And first time, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just special teams. So now that he played, is he going to play again? There's a lot going on with Buffalo. And I think, you know, them missing the playoffs is is not going to have anything to do with this award. Uh, yesterday, we brought up Dobbs and he's a big story. And if you're a regular listener to this show, you understand that a quarterback typically wins this award. It's probably an outlier situation, though, with Hamlin. Uh, the Dobbs number is plus 650. But I have a question for the class on another super long shot. Someone that just played their first game of the year. Does Kyler Murray have a chance at 100 to 1? I mean, I'm still on the DeMar Hamlin train. Like, I think mm-hmm. this is I think this is a runaway for him. So because of that, I'm really not taking anyone else seriously. Like, if Hamlin weren't a part of this then I'd want to do a little bit of uh, excavation there and I would be curious. But what I'm finding in this market is, and that's my word, curious. I don't seem to be curious about anybody else in terms of parsing through what the possibilities might be, what the hashtag narrative would be in terms of making a compelling argument to voters. I'm just not there. Damar Hamlin, to Mm -hmm. me, has sort of met the minimum when it comes to playing time. So, yes. Paul, I'm I'm not buying anything else. It's it's Hamlin or nothing for me. I thought I would. So, again, place a pretty big bet on Hamlin at even money, and I feel like my handicap. I'm happy with my handicap, and I was stronger yeah. than you guys that he had to play defense, not just special teams. So as soon as Correct. he went in the game, and I always felt like at even money again that you would more than half the deck as outs. You had injuries. You had a meaningless week 18 game. Uh, you know, you had multiple ways. If he wasn't just active on his own, uh, on top of the fact that he could just win it because they, you know, it's an unprecedented situation and mm-hmm. they're going to give him the award. So look, minus 200 is telling me this is not over. Um, I, right. It's a great, like I was happy to see him come in the game. I was like, all right, that's what we needed. And he even made a tackle, which was not insignificant at the time. Um, it's def- it's it goes not, on the highlight I reel. want it to be, yeah, I want it to be over. I can't say, like, I'm at peace with the bet that I made. I got what I needed based off of my happy handicap. Do I want to win the bet? Of course I want to win the bet. If I, like, I'm not worried about Aaron Rodgers, to be perfectly honest. I just, oh my God, the lot. price of 25 to 1 for Rodgers and Kyler 100 to 1. That's crazy. It's crazy town. Right. Crazy. 
Yeah. And like maybe if we get closer, momentum picks up on one of them or the other, maybe I'll take out a little insurance on on Rogers. Like maybe I would do that. But I the Dobbs is interesting. They he has to win for the rest Vikings of win the division. Vikings have to win the division for Dobbs, right? Yeah, I mean, playoff is in the conversation, isn't he? Mm. It makes it makes you sweat. They get to the playoffs, and as someone holding a Hamlet okay. ticket, a significant Hamlet ticket, it makes me sweat. Um, mm-hmm. Rogers coming back, although that team's probably going to be out of it. So, like, what? Almost, it's like okay, maybe he comes back anyway, but kind of Rogers isn't point? coming back. He's not. This is <laughs> stupid. So I'm saying, like, things that would yeah. make me sweat. Rogers coming the- back. Dobbs gets them to the playoffs. Kyler, what? I don't know. Like, what's their ceiling? What if he, like, okay, he plays half the year. They win four games with him. They're a 500 team with Kyler. Coming from the worst team in the league, brutal injury, he's quarterback, and he's leading the charge. Uh, This is a team that was supposed to be left for dead, and then, you know, they're winning a handful of games. Isn't there a likability factor as well here? Like, does the league, do voters like Kyler Murray? I mean, it's a really generic question, I know, but... Do they like Kyler Murray? I'm not yeah. sure about that. I, think they lean, I don't no. know if his reputation is that sterling compared with, say, I mean, heck, even Dobbs, I, I feel like, is more beloved than Kyler Murray is yeah. just on a, a person-to-person kind of interaction. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, that matters yeah. in a market like this. Yes. And, frankly, and I think that's why Paul's a little concerned because Dobbs is so likable. Right. right. Rogers, I think, like, there's certain segments like, okay, one of the greatest that, that's ever played the position. I don't know that he's that likable to like, and it depends on which voter sect you kind of probably ask, but I feel like yeah, it's a 50, 50 like at Rogers. best. Nope. Yeah. And now he's McAfee show and yeah, people roll their eyes right. at that like he's, thing. He's and, literally yeah. hurting right. his case. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. so. And uh, I would argue with Rogers, there is a threshold where even if he does come back, he can't just come back for week 18 and maybe that's the game that gets the Jets to the playoffs. I think it needs to be more than that. Probably a, a few games to where the sample size is large enough to where he's back. If that doesn't happen, I think that's going to be uh, putting him in deep trouble as well. How, ma- how many wins does it take to make the AFC playoffs? I just assume Five, 10. Get in it. I think that's a fair assumption right Right now. Arizona, Arizona, Houston is barely in it with via a tiebreaker over Cincinnati Mm -hmm. at five and four. 10 sounds right. Yeah. Nine and eight, eight. Usually it's about 10. There are very few examples of 10 win teams when it was a 16 game season. Very few wins of 10 win teams. Examples that is uh, 10 win teams not making the playoffs. So in that respect, I go, AFC is crowded enough. We don't have too many teams kind of running away with it. So 10 is probably your minimum. And you might need some tiebreakers as well. So definitely factor that in. So that means 6-2 and two the rest of the way for the Jets. That's what we're talking about. No. Mm-hmm. no. But honestly, the conversation is, are they in it? Like, forget about the 6-2. and two. Can they go... Selling a little... <laughs> or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Four and one, three and one over the next month. Can they get to the point where Rodgers comes in and tries to save the day? Right? Yes. That's what you're asking. Buffalo, Miami the next two weeks. Atlanta, Houston. Yeah. Which, if we're down on the Bills, they win. If they win this week, it becomes. I think. A real I think they. I think they can go go there and win. I think they can. Yep. It's possible. But that has to happen, and then other things happen. Like the Jets have lost to bad teams before, so right. even if they do beat the Bills, other things have to fall in line for them. That I would have questions about. So I, I'm also on real the side quick. No, on all mm-hmm. the way back. Back to the Hamlin point, what's to say Micah Hyde's up next week or the backup safety he came in for is up next week? Maybe he's right. playing again. Right. Yeah. He might. He might. Yeah. But, and we're also not at the one-year anniversary of the incident. That's also a thing where we're right. going to be reminded of it one more time. So yeah. I was surprised, yeah. honestly, how much – It's his. How, yeah, I was just surprised, honestly, by how it was a tame – it was like it wasn't – ESPN didn't like wasn't all over it, you know. It, like it wasn't even really mentioned till he came in. I was a little bit surprised by that, but hey. Oh, the, you mean the, throughout the, the game? On a, throughout the game, because those were the guys uh, that called that game. Yeah, so I was a little yeah, true, true. Good okay. All right, lightning bets time. I mentioned uh, the Pacers to win uh, their group at plus 250 for the in-season tournament. Looks good to me. Another one I like is the Warriors to win West Group C at plus 125. Certainly Draymond Green's health matters a great deal here. And I know the Dubs are on a bit of a losing streak, but they also seem like the kind of team that would take this seriously and sort of space out, rest, and those kinds of things. So I will take the Dubs to win their group. And then college basketball, Marquette, Illinois, over 147 and a half. This should be a mighty close, mighty exciting game. And we probably are going to see a a number of overs because the whole uh, block charge thing. And close games can lead to more fouling, more free throws. So I expect additional points there. So give me Marquette, Illinois, over 147 and a half, John. 
Yeah, Mike Rutherford came on the show and he talked about his case for the overs. So I, I would check out that pod, especially if you're into betting futures, some teams to look at for the rest of the college basketball season. All right, I'm going NBA a little agree, disagree with you, Ed. Um, yeah, I might go Pacers. But as far as tonight, Pacers plus five and a half uh, against the Sixers. I think that's a strong look. Listen, we said, is Embiid going to go for it? Is he going to play tonight? He's questionable with the hip. Boston tomorrow for Philly. They've got Boston tomorrow. I think they're more concerned about that game against the Celtics than tonight against the Indiana Pacers. They've won their eight in a row, so maybe they sit Embiid and play play him tomorrow if they have to make that choice. Give me the Pacers plus the points. And I'm also looking at the Golden State game. Nothing as far as in-season tournament, but as far as tonight, I'm going to the other side. We're not sure that mm. Steph's going to play with the knee, and he's questionable and you want to talk about teams going for it? Minnesota. Minnesota getting two and a half, and they won their last six games. Uh, they check a lot of boxes for me as far as teams you might want to look at as far as go, going for it in the tournament. So plus two and a half, and it is the best number that we have seen in a long, long time for Coach of the Year. Mike McDaniel, plus 750. He's going to be in the mix. He's going to be in at least the top three the rest of the way. I see the Dolphins uh, going on a tear coming up with their upcoming schedule. And he's probably going to be back to one and two with Campbell. So like McDaniel for coach of the year. Uh, just oh. the one NBA bet I mentioned Pacers in season tournament. Uh, I guess there's a plus 3,800 out there plus 3,300 out there. So if you find the best number plus 3,800 to win the in season tournament, like them tonight as well. Very good. Very good. By the way, make sure to follow at BetQL Daily on X for all of our lightning bets. Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. For those listening, next up is Jim Rome. For those watching on Twitch and YouTube, stay tuned for the Daily Tip. Take care, everybody.